As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Football League Show Preview Edition. There's a triple header of Derby action in the Championship. Lincoln go in search of some home comfort. Sadler's hope for the Samson effect. And drawing is an Exeter thing. And a Tony Hart thing. This is the Totally Football League Show in association with Paddy Power. Hey there, listener. I hope you're ready for the return of the Championship this weekend. What with that and a full programme in League One and League Two, there's plenty to get stuck into today. So let's not waste too much more time. Joining me, Matt Davis-Adams, are Adrian Clark. Hello, Matthew. Hello, Adrian. And Joby McEnough. Hi, Matt. How are you doing, mate? I'm very well, thank you. Uh, how did you spend your international break, Joby? Lots of extra work, workouts, lots of extra training, just, just keeping yourself in tip-top condition, presumably? <laughs> I've gone completely opposite now, to be honest. I'm not doing anywhere near as much as I want, whether that's work, new work, or actual physical work. So uh, I'm in a bit of a... A lull at the moment. I've got to get myself going. I haven't got any teammates pulling me through all the running, which does get harder when you're uh, my age. So uh, I'm struggling. I'm not going to lie, man. That motivation to get out and run by myself. I've never realised how much I hate running until I've got to do it by myself. I've got to oh, I hate running as well. I always have. As soon as I retired, I, I just stopped running. Do you miss? Can I just ask? Do you miss kicking the ball around? Because obviously, even when you were a manager, you were there on, on the training pitch, no doubt joining in and stuff. Or have you have you joined a five-a-side team to sort of make up for it? No, I'm, I keep getting roped into charity games or um, I call them celebrities, but you don't see many celebrities about, to be fair. It's just people that want to go and have a kick about. So, uh, no, I'm kind of, uh, I think I will get into a little bit of a, it'd be nice to go and play a bit of football with some of my mates who actually we used to play with years ago and, you know, lads who've sort of dropped out the game along the way. So, uh, yeah, I think I need to do something. I've got two little boys, one's absolutely mad for it, so... Even though I'm not doing it professionally, I'm normally getting dragged around the garden, um, kicking balls about still. So, uh, yeah. Just be careful with those celebrity games because you might think you're signing up for one when you see Mark Wright's name on the team sheet and then you'll end up playing for Yamo at Crawley before you know it, um, <laughs> which, yeah, would be a bit of a shock to the system, I suppose. Uh, right, later today, we're going to hear from the Wigan boss, Liam Richardson. Uh, we'll look ahead to the standout games soon enough too. But first, as you may be aware, October is Black History Month and there's plenty of stuff celebrating that available over on The Athletic. Nancy Frostick spoke with the former Sheffield Wednesday player Kadeem Harris about his new life in Ukraine, where he's playing for metalist Kharkiv, uh, and whether he had any reservations about heading out to that part of the world, given a concerning track record with racism. We can hear a clip of that now. 100%. That was one of the first things that I spoke to you about with um, a representative who'd done a deal for me over here, and I just said to him... Um, what's it like out there for, for people of my colour? Because what I've heard, what I've seen, it hasn't been too friendly, it hasn't been too good. So what what would you say on, on that subject? And he said to me that, obviously I'm going to tell you what I'm going to tell you, but you don't, you might not believe it. So I think you should come over here and witness it for yourself. But what he said was, it's very multicultural over here. This club as well, there's never been or he's never witnessed any racism. There's black players that played for them and has played for them over the years. 
and they've always been friendly and, and loving to them players. At the time, I wasn't too sure how true that was and how truthful he was being because obviously he wanted me to come to the team. So <laughs> yeah. um, when I came and then I experienced it for myself and then saw the love that I was being shown by fans and just general people in the city, the hotel where I was staying, it was very surprising to me. And I had a conversation with my dad because he was one of the people that wasn't sure about me coming over here because of that being the main reason. Mm. As a dad, obviously, that's understandable. But I explained to him how it was ever since I've been, or I've, I've come to the country, and it's only till he came and witnessed it for himself that he realised that I was right. And so far, it hasn't been an issue in the slightest. Hasn't, I haven't sensed any racism, haven't experienced any racism. And long, long may that continue, because, you know, it's surprising for me, but it's just another, it's like what I said before when... You never know how a place is or you can't go off what you hear until you actually experience it yourself. Jamie, that's that's quite encouraging to hear. It, it's also, it shows a, a lot of fortitude, I think, from, from Kadeem to make that move in particular because it's, it's one thing going to another European country. You know, if you go to Spain, Italy, whatever, you've got to get to grips with the language, etc. But going to Ukraine just feels like a total culture shock. So it's um, it's a big move. Yeah, really big move and certainly one that for many reasons would be one out of his comfort zone. I think most players that have played here, um, again, not least with probably the, as he said, possible issues around racism in Ukraine. It's obviously very refreshing to hear that he hasn't encountered or experienced anything like that at the moment. Obviously, we hope it, it continues. He can go out there and and really enjoy his football because it's a bold, bold move. I've got to be honest. And um, you know, when players make that step, it's you know obviously nice to see things going well. Uh, the only thing I would say sometimes is that kind of because he's playing for the team out there. You know, I think that team in itself, and we've seen again over time where they may be a little bit more warming towards players. You know, that represent them. I'm hoping that extends to when he goes to other teams, you know, up and down the country um, and he doesn't have to encounter any problems there. So, you know, massive respect to him for for taking that step. He obviously done a bit of due diligence to to start with, which is obviously always a, a smart move. So, yeah, man, it's um, uh, certainly an eye opener, an interesting one and one that we'll obviously follow and keep tracks on. Obviously, you have to do your, your, your due diligence, like, like JB says, Adrian, but you've also got to put a lot of trust in your agent, I suppose, haven't you? Because as he's kind of alluded to in the clip there, he's saying, well, I know you're going you're gonna to say what I want to hear to a certain extent to, to get me there, but you kind of got to believe that your agent has your best interests at heart as well. Yeah, exactly. You've got to have that trust between the two of you that, that he's not going to not going to tuck you up for the sake of one one deal and put you through what what turns out to be a horrendous ordeal but look it sounds like it's going really well so far it's a really brave move as as Joby said it's a long long way from here and and yeah I would imagine that there might be one or two bumps in the road in terms of when he goes goes to away games and stuff but but look Long may it continue, as he said, and and he, you know, I loved his positivity there. He was just saying, "Look, you never know about a place until you go there." He's given it a go, and 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 he seems very happy. So, so look, but but if he does start to encounter issues, you know, he'll he'll be back, and 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 yeah, he'll find a club in this country, I'm sure. But good on him for for trying a new experience. Yeah, and we have to be honest and self-reflective and say there's nothing to say. He wouldn't suffer those same issues if he was playing in the Championship League 1 or League 2. That full article will be available to read on Friday. Harris also discusses why he moved to Ukraine, integrating with the team as well as life under Gary Monk at Wednesday. If you want to read more Black History Month stuff on The Athletic, there's plenty up there, including from former Cambridge player Medi Alito and his alter ego rapper Don E.E., uh, I know Clark is a big fan of him. And there's also <laughs> the Bournemouth stars, Jaden Anthony and Jordan Zamora on life on the South Coast. So do go and give those a read. If you're an Athletic subscriber, if not, you can become one with a big discount by going to theathletic.com slash league show. Uh, meanwhile, Port Vale have issued a life ban to the supporter slash cretin who sent a racist message to Lake Orient keeper Lawrence Vigaru on social media. 
Um, Joby, I, I guess, you know, this is really the only appropriate course of action, but it's still encouraging to see the clubs getting on the front foot about this, even if the, the social media companies don't seem that bothered. Yeah, and that's, again, I suppose the, the first thing that we're asking for is when these incidents occur and it is honestly so depressing that we have to keep talking about them you know particularly with it being black history month and you know we should be celebrating the contributions that black people in general and and certainly black footballers have made to this country and and football and the world really you know and it, it shouldn't be just limited to one month to to celebrate those things but it always seems to be drawn back to the negatives you know whether that is racism you know and other issues that have obviously surrounded black people for so long so listen this one again is something that we don't want to see but when we do as you say we want it to be dealt with as swiftly and as strongly as we can you know the social media companies clearly are not doing enough you know we can't keep banging that drum enough they they need to make it harder for people to be sending these types of message um you know racism discrimination abuse in general really it's just too easy for people to do that as a football club, you know, I applaud the action that, that they have taken and I, I wish that every other club takes the same one. I've certainly got a zero tolerance approach to it. If anyone is found guilty, they should be banned for life. We don't want people in grounds that are spreading such hate and, and just horrible things to players. So, yeah, listen, it's the first step. Um, you know, hopefully social media companies start taking a little bit more notice and, and start acting appropriately as well. Gareth Southgate's right, isn't he, Clarkie? It's about England looking inward and sorting their own house out before wringing their hands and, and saying, oh, look at these hungry fans and the dreadful stuff they're doing, etc." Yeah, the, the, unfortunately, the, the, this kind of thing is still happening. Um, yeah, like I think the club did great there. Very swift action. You can't, can't be critical of it at all. You hope that everyone else will, will do the same. I'd maybe like to see them call out the social media companies a little bit more often, the clubs. There's an opportunity, you know, we see them engaging, don't we, with other clubs, you know, having these tit-for-tat banter, banter-offs at times. Um, but, you know, they can also use their use their handles to, to call out the social media companies if if their players are being abused on, on their platforms. And maybe like to see to see that on occasion. Um, what are you going to do about it at Twitter, for example? Um, you know, I, I just still can't get my head around how if you're using abusive terms that these companies can't can't put in a filter whereby then you know before they send that message they have to give their details give their personal details do you still want to send this message in this day and age i think that that surely is is doable um but they don't want to do it because it will put put people off i guess but but yeah more has to be done more social media blackouts it's the only way forward potentially just to get them hammer home that message uh, one other piece of really sad news that broke since last we met Bournemouth's David Brooks has been diagnosed with stage 2 Hodgkin's lymphoma. He's going to start treatment next week, only 24 years old, uh, but along with the rest of the football world, we of course wish him a speedy recovery. Uh, those are the news headlines. Next up, Latix lovers, we're talking with Liam. So, Mr Klopp, what's been troubling you? Well, it's a very important time of the year, and I'm worried we're not going to be able to get the most out of it. Yeah, there's a lot of big games coming up. Games? No, I'm talking about Oktoberfest. Sauerkraut, Steins, Lederhosen. The one time Germany comes to England, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes it can seem like they don't know what they're doing. But with Paddy Power, you always know you're getting Das Beste rewards. Like money back as a free bet if one leg of your bet builder lets you down. Paddy Power. Pretty much bet builder bets only. Min odds 1 to 5 per leg. Min 4 plus legs. Max free bet £10 per day. Excludes enhanced match odds on an exclusive T's and C's apply. 18 plus become aware.org. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. You're listening to the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. It won't have failed to catch your attention, listener, that Wigan are flying high in League One right now. With that in mind, we decided it was time to speak to the man who's making it all work. It's head Latic, Liam Richardson. What a start. It's been seven wins from ten, just a point off top spot. Are we at the point now where it's about managing expectations or do you kind of embrace the pressure that a good start brings? 
I think, listen, in this game, you've got to embrace the pressure regardless, haven't you? Whether it's um, good or bad. I think one thing we've always been consistent with is is we're trying to build again a football club, you know, on and off the pitch. So, you know, we certainly won't get carried away with, uh, you know, the, the number of games played or won. Uh, what we will try and strive for is, is you know, the people that we add to the football club, the direction that we're trying to go in. Uh, and, you know, the more positivity within that, the better it will be for everybody. So, you know, it's going OK so far. Uh, fingers crossed we can continue on, on the same path. You mentioned the additions. How have you been able to make so many new players gel so quickly? And were you kind of conscious of of getting that sweet spot of, of numbers of incomings, of not making it too many players to try and integrate at once? Yeah, I mean, listen, I think it's all there for everybody to see from last year. Um, you know, we finished with three senior players with with no backroom staff and, and a football club that needed, you know, new ownership uh, and direction. Um, you know, firstly, we got that in abundance with the new ownership, with Mr. Al-Jazmi, the chairman, uh, Talal, and then obviously the chief exec uh, within Mal Brannigan. Uh, and from there, you know, with with any kind of building blocks, you need a, you know, a really solid foundation and, and fingers crossed, it looks, it looks like we've got that as a football club. And like you said, then, you know, you look to to the recruitment, what what we see, what where we where we think we should be, you know, within the football pyramid and and what steps we can do that within the short term, medium term and long term to get there. And that was a big thing in the summer. And that solidity that you mentioned, was that a factor in you signing so many players kind of 20s or 30s rather than than under 25s, which is an approach that we see quite a lot these days? No, I think within administration, you know, all our departments were were bare. We we wanted to build a recruitment model, but we also wanted to be competitive. Uh, and to be competitive, I'm fortunate that I've, I've been in this league before. Again, fortunate enough to be promoted out of it. So you kind of have a base of of what it takes, and you know, rather try and go A, B, C to Z. You know, how can we go to A to F? And by doing that, you need you know really uh, solid citizens. Some some lads, you know, with a real good thought process around you know the league itself but also good people I think that was a big criteria I think it's in football or in sport in general you know it's it's the famous one talent talent will get you in the door and then what what, what from there transpires will, will either keep you improving or or not so um, we wanted a real good balance because these young lads need nurturing as well you know we experienced last year with a lot of young lads on the pitch uh, it's great to coach them it's great to educate them uh, but also, you know, you've got to be mindful of the challenges that are, that are ahead with, you know, Burton, Gillingham, Ipswich, Sunderland, etc. Uh, so you've got to be really thoughtful of the campaign as well. You mentioned the takeover and obviously it must feel like a totally different club to you in a lot of ways to the one that you came into. Uh, there's obviously been significant changes, nowhere more so than in, in the playing staff. I wonder if there are any small but kind of notable changes that you felt have benefited the group. You know, I imagine you, you've got better catering, you're not on Tesco meal deals on match day and, and that kind of thing anymore. No, no, we get looked after a little bit better than last year. Um, listen, the administrators have jobs to do and, you know, tried to work as closely as I could with them to, to make sure that decisions got made for the good of the, the football club. And, you know, certainly it's obviously in the short term, isn't it? But obviously always having one one eye on the long term as well. Uh, but yeah, I think the notice, noticeable differences is which, you know, I'm a big believer in is the is the kind of work environment. How, how can we improve the training ground? How can we, if we're going, if we're going to try and perform like a high-performing team uh, and have an elite environment to... To, to challenge ourselves, well, then what can we do and how can we make it, whether that's offices, whether it's, you know, the football pitches, whether it's equipment, um, you know, the analytic data that we can have uh, and how can we now, you know, try and be the best version, not really the best in League One, but the best version of ourselves because that'll take you into all the levels that'll take you. You know, if you do manage to go into the Championship, well, then you'll be the best version of yourself in the Championship. If you go into the Premier League, you'll be the best version of you. So it was important that we was all we were all mindful of that. Uh, final question before we let you go. Uh, we've had Paul Cook on the show uh, on a couple of occasions and really enjoyed his company. I know you were his assistant for, for quite a while. How, how are you feeling about facing him? I know it's not until December, but it'll be a strange feeling, won't it, being in, in opposite dugouts? Yeah. Um, we've done it twice before, actually. Once when I was at Accrington and obviously last year. Uh, fantastic person, fantastic manager. Um, I've said it before. I think Ipswich are really lucky to, to, to have, have Paul um, certainly with his CV speaks for itself, doesn't it? But, you know, working closely with him, 
One thing that you do learn quite quickly is how much he loves football. Absolutely loves, breathes, um, sleeps, kicks football, you know, every single day. Uh, but yeah, to, 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 to be a competitor against him, it's always a little bit surreal. Because like you say, you know, you've been in that many rooms for, what was it, 11, 11 12 years, different football clubs, uh, sharing so many ideas and having so many debates. A few fallouts along the way, um, but always for the greater of the team and, and certainly for, for each other and uh, for success. And again, fortunate enough that every club we went to, we, we shared success together. So, um, yeah, all, all those surreal, um, you know, that it'll be it'll be competitive, but but in a really good uh, in a good way. Liam Richardson, Wigan manager there. Uh, Joe Beat Liam's keen to play down the the blistering start Wigan have had to the season, and, and people like me saying things like "blistering start" probably doesn't help. Um, if you were in his boots, how would you be managing down those expectations? Is that something you'd be doing with the squad, or just focusing on on keeping the media chatter a bit quiet? Yeah, I think there's almost a double pronged way of dealing with it. I think certainly outwardly and, and to the media, you want to probably downplay it. I certainly wouldn't have thought they were one of the favourites to go out when you look at League One and again we keep coming back to it but some of the teams and the size of the teams in in that league and the pressure that's on them yes they've invested in the squad but you know clearly from where they've been that that level of expectations probably not as high there as it has been I think inwardly and certainly around that squad and the way they've started and the results against some of the, the bigger teams and the teams that were expected to be there absolutely you're driving that message of you know, we can get promotion this year. We are where we are on merit, particularly at this time of the season. They've had some fantastic performances, results. Everything seems to be going, you know, the right way. He's got a nice balance with with what he's doing there. So I'd say certainly for me, and I think it's always important to set standards and targets within your football club. You know, I really think that whatever that is, it might be a club at the bottom end of the table trying to stay up. You know, it might be a mid-table team trying to get into those playoff places or it might be, you know, as he is, trying to get those automatic spots. I certainly feel that's achievable given the start they've had. You know, you don't want to come off of it and sort of start saying to the boys, oh, you know, if we end up in the playoffs, because then the standards start slipping. You know, one little defeat can turn into two. You know, you may take your foot off the the gas a little bit in training, which again, with the the quality of that squad and, and the amount of talent they've got there, that is something that's driving them on. So... For me, absolutely, I'd be sort of, when if I was in that dressing room now, you know, saying, listen, this is a great opportunity for us this season and, you know, we need to keep pressing on with what we're doing. Uh, Two questions for you, Clarky. Firstly, after 10 games, can you still be a dark horse? And secondly, can I have some stats on Wigan, please? (laughs) Um, No, they're not dark horses anymore. They're they're live runners, aren't they? Definitely, they're 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 in the in the front pack. That is for sure. No, I, I'm with Joby. I think they can keep it up. Um, you want some stats? Well, a basic stat is that they've kept five clean sheets in ten, which is really impressive. I think, given their fixtures, given that that three of their back four and the goalie are new. You know, Max Power right back, Kel Watts, Watmore, that centre half, really really solid. But it's not just those guys. They're defending really really well as a team, um, which is. A credit to Liam's coaching, really, given that, that the majority of the side weren't in the building last year. Um, a word of caution, stats-wise, is that only four teams have had fewer shots than Wigan, which tells you that they maybe need to work on their creativity a little bit. They've been quite ruthless. Their expected goals is lower than their actual goals. So is that sustainable over a longer period? Perhaps not. So, so yeah, that's an area for them to work on. But given the talent that they've got in forward areas, you know, blimey, they're, they're sport for choice, really. So I don't think that's going to be a big issue. No, look, promotions are normally built off a solid platform and they've definitely got a solid platform and uh, that bodes well. All right, we're set for a full weekend of championship action. We'll look ahead to that after this. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
Because you're a listener of the Totally Football League show, you can get a third off an Athletic subscription right now. All you need to do is head to theathletic.com forward slash league show. Now, if you like derbies, the championship is the place to be. For one thing, there's a team actually called Derby in it. But there are three of those this weekend, starting on Friday night, West Bromwich Albion against Birmingham. Uh, we're going to turn our focus, though, to the Saturday lunchtime game. Who's the best in the West? London in the championship. Uh, Fulham and QPR will be vying for that non-existent accolade. And more importantly, three points when they face off at Craven Cottage. Just a place and two points separate the sides in the table ahead of kickoff. Uh, Joby Fulham have had a, a fortnight to stew on that that 4-1 gubbing at Coventry. They've only won one of their last four. Does that mean that the international break came at a good time for them? A chance to reset? Or would you rather not be thinking about that, that poor run for a fortnight? Um, yeah, you most certainly prefer to go into the break in a more positive frame of mind, certainly. But it does give you time to, I suppose, look back. It's tough when you have a, a run of games like we have to at the moment with the international breaks. You know, it's sort of like a real intense period of games, then a big break. So it is difficult sometimes to maybe look back and assess and analyse because, you know, you're trying to look for the next game and you're already watching your opponents in terms of the, the pre-match analysis and sometimes it's difficult to keep a track of maybe what hasn't quite gone right and I think that's an important part of certainly management and coaching and for the lads as well to be able to show them you know certain things that, that you need to do better to, to get results which clearly Fulham do at the moment so I think they would have used a period of time I think everybody is at the moment certainly in the championship of having a little breather you know again using that time to rest recuperate and also decide what they need to do better because clearly you know, I certainly expected, you know, Fulham to be a little bit better off than they are at this moment in time. And, you know, I think for them, it's a critical period now that they're going into to really try and get themselves in that, that top two and, and cement that position at the top of the table. The last five goals that have gone in Fulham's four column, one's, one was an own goal. The other four were from Mitrovic. Is that a worry? Should they be spreading it around? And is there anyone in particular who should be chipping in a bit more? Um, listen, I think we know... Mitrovic is always going to be the main goal scorer. I think they have missed uh, Jan Carvalho. He was fantastic at the start of the season. He was a real source of uh, just creativity. You know, I felt like he took a little bit of the pressure off Mitrovic. And listen, Mitrovic is going to score goals regardless. We know that. But I think in terms of the opposition, somebody else to really worry about and try and contain. Um, And I think that one's probably um, been a, a big miss for them. I think other than that, you know, Harry Wilson, you know, Bobby Reed, they've, they've certainly got players there when they're firing, you know, that front free Cabano, I saw him play recently and he was, he was very, very good as well. So they've certainly got the firepower there, but yeah, they do need to chip in and, you know, try and help, you know, really ease that burden on Mitrovic because again, if he comes out of the team for any reason, you're then sort of looking around at, at who's really going to be the one to, to step up. I, on that, I think, I think Fulham need to sort out their clean sheet mentality. I mean, they've had two out of 11. And if you're going to be top two come the end of the season, that ratio is not going to cut it, is it, Jobs? You need to need to be producing clean sheets for fun. And, and that in itself would ease the burden, wouldn't it, on, on someone like, like Mitrovic? I just don't know Marco Silva, you know. I just, he's a good attack-minded manager, front-footed. It's all about what they do in the opposition half. I just don't know every focuses enough on on the other side of the game yeah. yeah I agree I think that's certainly something they need to to look at and I think it's it's interesting because Scott Parker um the year they went up they were again very offensive very attacking and he actually made a few little tweaks you know getting the likes of Michael Hector coming in and, and just making them a little bit more solid at the time um, and a little bit more pragmatic you know I remember watching them towards the end of the season and you know they weren't as certainly aggressive out of possession um, and I definitely feel that's something that you know you need to have one eye on you know because you're not always going to go and blast the opposition away that's just a fact you know it's a tough tough league people do do their research they do do their homework and and find ways of exploiting probably those little gaps that you might leave when you are going out to try and to win games I think it's hard not to do that when you've got their firepower I've got to be honest and if I was Fulham I would fancy my chances of, of blowing most teams away but like you say, Clark, if you can't keep a clean sheet, it's going to be very, very difficult to, to win games. And then the reaction, they've reacted badly, you know, in a couple of occasions where maybe a decision's gone against them or a goal's gone against them. 
And they've really, you know, capitulated, I think, particularly the Coventry game. So again, maybe a little question mark over the mentality. And again, over a long, hard season, you know, that's something that as well as all the good football and, and, and the great players, you need to have that um, toughness in your team. And that's probably the biggest question about Fulham at the moment. Uh, some good news to report out of Fulham this week. Kevin McDonald returned to training following a successful kidney transplant. He missed the whole of last season. He's been training with Fulham's academy side and his old club Dundee as he looks to find a new club. Uh, McDonald's brother Fraser donated the kidney, uh, which really puts into perspective that tenor I lent my brother uh, the other week. In terms of QPR, Clarkie, Mark Warburton contracted COVID-19 over the international break, so he's not been on the training ground, but he will have ended his period of isolation uh, before this game. That shouldn't be a factor, really, should it? Managers don't take training sessions all the time, right? And and the assistant sometimes has a go? Yeah, yeah, that's correct. Every manager's different. Some do more than others, don't they? But he would have had input, providing he hasn't been sort of bed-laid and he'd, he'd have been, you know, discussing the types of sessions the types of um you know discussions that the coaches would have had with the players and i think that they needed it they need that that little break as well qpr even though they had two wins i felt that in that last few weeks before the window their defending was not as good they were a little bit looser and they can't afford to be loose in this game for obvious reasons against fulham so having and he's spoken about that, Mark Warburton, in terms of we need to be better defensively. So I would hazard a guess that they've worked really hard on shape and and, and, and making sure that they're compact. And if you want a two-week run-up to any game, I think Fulham away is quite a good one to have that run-up into where you can make a plan to make sure that you can you can sort of cater for their, their threats. But having said that, QPR are one of the most sort of offensive teams in the division, aren't they? They just go for it the great entertainers that I think their matches have averaged 3.45 goals a game this season, which is the highest of all the, the championship clubs. So yeah, they're always a good watch scored in every game QPR. So they'll, they'll fancy their chances. I think I Ilias think chair, he, yeah. they'll, they'll be looking to get him on the ball as often as possible. He, he's in that. He's just riding a wave and he at the moment, Joe, but it's like everything he's doing is sort of coming off. Um, so yeah I think this has got the makings of a really really interesting game QPR's re- record against Fulham is rubbish in recent times but but I do think this this Rangers team's got a bit more about it so yeah I think they can make a, a good fist of it and, and yeah it should be, should be quite an even affair for all of the hullabaloo over Fulham QPR are two points behind them so it's not much in it is there yeah, Lyndon Dykes will be coming back with his big boy pants on as well, won't he, after his exploits <laughs> for Scotland over the break. Uh, wear those, dark... big boy pants, Matt? Yeah, that? certainly yeah. do, yeah, yeah. Less said about that, the better, I think. Moving swiftly on. Uh, <laughs> three derbies on three different days in the same league, spanning two countries, only in the Championship, hey? Mentioned that West Brom-Birmingham game, uh, then the Fulham QPR. On Sunday, though, it's the cities of Swansea and Cardiff squaring off. Uh, you're like this, Clark. Here's a weird stat that I found. None of the last eight meetings between them have seen both teams score. Uh, both matches were won by the away side last term. Cardiff victors at Swansea by a goal to nil as recently as March. But Swansea-wise, Adrian, this looks to me like an ideal opportunity for Russell Martin to curry some favour with Swansea supporters after a so-so start to his tenure. They face the team in the worst form in the division. Yeah, yeah, that they might not get a better opportunity to to claim the bragging rights. Cardiff were in a really bad spot, weren't they, before the international break, defending uncharacteristically poorly. And Swansea, I think the performances have been all right. It's and clean sheets are not a problem for Russell Martin. And we talked about that with Fulham. They've had six, um, four of them at home. So so they'll feel that they can keep Cardiff City at bay. <laughs> through sort of boring them by by long periods of possession, potentially. I mean, it's sometimes the best form of defence, isn't it? Just to keep the ball. Um, and, th- and they definitely do that, Swansea. I can't... I mean, this is, this is going to be a real clash of styles. Real clash. Swansea just can't get enough of the ball. Cardiff not bothered about it at all. <laughs> just want to get it, get it into the mixer. So, yeah, it's going to be... A, a, yeah, n- not necessarily a... A pretty watch, but but certainly an interesting one. But yeah, no, so I th- I think there are, there are grounds for optimism at Swansea. 
He's definitely working through the process. We hear that. I don't like the cliche. Coaches love to talk about processes, but I definitely think that he's willing to drop a few points here and there just to get his team into the right habits moving forwards to get them playing the way that he believes in. And and it is coming together. I think Swansea fans are, are quite enjoying it. He's found a centre-forward in, in Joel Perrault. I like the look of him. His finishing's been good. Um, and, and a couple of other new faces that have really impressed me. Ethan Laird on loan from Man United at right wing-back. Definitely filled that gap that Connor Roberts had last year. He, he looks a real player. Fans love him. And Flynn Downs playing a bit more defensively than he did at Ipswich, but again, getting the plaudits down there in, in South Wales. So, so yeah, I think they'll be feeling quite good about themselves coming into this game, whether they'll be feeling quite so good afterwards if, if Cardiff have sort of battered them 1-0 with a bruising derby uh, win. I don't know. But, but yeah, I like what I see from Swansea, but, but they're not going to get promoted this season. It is definitely going to be a work in progress. Flynn Downs to me conjures up like a Suffolk village where you could have a lovely walk and then a lamb lunch in the pub afterwards. Do you know what? I don't think there's that many downs in Suffolk. I think a down is what in I've seen Exeter, like Devon. Devon more likely to have a down than Suffolk. I do know because I am from Suffolk. That's why that's why I butted in there. Sorry, Matt. At the Totally Show, if you'd like to give us a, a thorough definition of downs. Uh, Swansea, <laughs> injury concerns, Oliver Olivier and Cham, Michael Eberfemi and Liam Walsh, all doubtful. Uh, Leon Britton's made his umpteenth return to the club, this time in the role of player mentor. It's quite a popular role, this one now. Ex-players who've not long retired, rejoin work with the under-23s, play a few games and help out with the coaching. Uh, Cardiff-wise, Joe B, I hate to sort of put the sword of Damocles over Mick McCarthy's head, but defeat here, and it looks very, very difficult for him to continue, doesn't it? Particularly if it's a it's a big one, and they've had some spankings in the last few weeks. Yeah, and listen, Mick's been around longer than most, so I'm sure he knows that more than anybody else, and he knows what's riding on the game. I actually think it's a really good game for Cardiff, given their current form, and, you know, I mean, listen, last time out, they were very, very unlucky to... Not get something from the game against Reading. You know, I think when you look at the stat, Reading had one shot on target. Um, Cardiff in the game had 27 shots. Again, probably didn't work the keeper enough, but certainly in terms of overall play and, and you know, pressure and, and areas, um, you know, they, they certainly deserve to take something from the game. So it wasn't a performance that you would look at. And again, you hear the dreaded phrase, a manager losing the dressing room. I certainly wouldn't say that at all. Um, I don't know, Mick alluded to that after the game. They did fight. They did, you know, really put in a performance to try and get a result. I think the two before that, certainly, you know, West Brom, Blackburn, shipping nine goals were very, very concerning and, and very worrying. So I think this game, especially with the fans who would, of course, normally be on their backs, I think they can put that to the side because it is a derby. I think they will get behind, particularly being away from home, you know, the Cardiff City players. And I think the game itself actually lends itself quite well to Cardiff and how they play. I think if they can go and get after Swansea, not let them dominate too much in terms of having possession and taking a sting out of the game. I want to see Cardiff go in and really get after them, put them under pressure. We know they want to keep the ball, Swansea. But I think that if Cardiff are aggressive... And they obviously would have been working on this. You know, of course, people have been away internationals and stuff, but they would have done enough work to go and really get after Swansea. And I think it could be a turning point. It's either going to be that or maybe the end of the road. So um, I know what one Mick would be hoping for. Yep, going to be a fascinating watch, that one. Uh, right, despite a wealth of evidence to the contrary, we've decided to try and put together another ACA with the help of our friends at Paddy Power. Uh, Joby, you've made the first pick from the championship. Can we have it, please? So our producer kindly sent me an email um, and I thought I had to do an accumulator for the whole of the championship. So I was up for quite a long time trying to get that right. The, the good news is I'm going to stick a few quid on it. If, if you don't see me on the pod again or hear me on the pod again, <laughs> it's coming. All right. Because I've predicted every result here. The likelihood is you will be seeing me again. I'm going to go for very, this is like, you know, we're going to win this accumulator. West Brom, Birmingham. Um, I'm going to go three now. Wow, crikey! A specific score. That's good, Abby. What what odds are we going to get on that? I can give you four to seven on uh, West Brom to beat Birmingham. If you want, I'll just take the four to seven for our Acker. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> I do still want to win. 
but if you want to go for the three nil, it is ten to one. There you go. Right. Come on, the odds I think have that's gone worth up. That's great. Yeah. Uh, Abby's told us to only pick bankers, basically, which is why I've obviously gone for Forest to beat Blackpool at home. Resurgent Nottingham Forest continuing their rise up the table. What are the odds on that, please, Abby? Those are evens for Forest to beat Blackpool. Blackpool are 14 to 5. Um, I do know because Joby did send me every single score prediction <laughs> that he was backing, uh, he is backing QPR to beat Fulham. And that's mm. a nice 4 to 1. So that's a little bit I would, would look at if I were you. All right, we'll keep going with that as the show progresses. Uh, if you're a long-time listener or even a fan of logical progression, you'll know just where we're headed next. <laughs> This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League 1? FX is Welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. This is the Totally Football League show from The Athletic. Keep up to date with everything Totally by following us at The Totally Show on Twitter. League One then. After an abridged programme in League One last weekend, everybody's back in action in the division this time around. We'll take a dive into some of the standout fixtures. Portsmouth make the long trip north to take on Rotherham at the New York Stadium. Both sides took a break last weekend. Uh, A win for either would be significant. Fifth place Rotherham could end the day in the top two if they're victorious, whilst Pompey, who start the weekend in 12th, would be just two points behind the Millers if it is they who get the W. Uh, Rotherham, Adrian, not a team we've spent loads of time on this season, but they won their last two league games to nil. They're unbeaten in five, so clearly something's going pretty right. Yeah, and look, two good teams. I think two teams that will be right up there in the promotion shake-up. Portsmouth will come good, I'm, I'm confident of that. But yeah, no, Rotherham, we probably should have been talking more about them. Yeah, excellent results. Michael Smith, seven goals already. Just an absolute menace, really. Every time the ball goes into the box, whether it's in from an open play cross or from a set piece, he seems to be getting there and, and, and tucking the ball home. So, so he's someone that Pompey will really have to work hard to contain. Seven set piece goals already for Rotherham, so you know you know that whenever you can see the corner or a wide free kick, they've got something up their sleeve. But that's not what all that they are, and I think that, that that's impressive. You know, they, I think they've had the most shots from open play in the league, so that they are getting into opposition territory, pinning teams in, and and creating opportunities. I think if they'd finished better, they would have won won matches more more handsomely. I actually think this Rotherham squad might be even stronger than the one they had in the championship, which that sounds weird, but they didn't really lose that many. And I think that the, the, the new faces that have come in have sort of topped it up nicely, given them maybe a little bit bit more. You know, Ollie Rathbone came in, didn't he? That was one. You know, others have come. Will Griggs doing very well at the moment. So, uh, yeah, I think that, that Rotherham are in good nick. And that this will be a, a hard-fought match. I don't think this is going to be that high-scoring. Um, two two teams that are really good at pressing from the front and, and defending, you know, quite compactly. So um, yeah, tough game to to read this one, but but I like the look of Rotherham. Yeah, Will Grigg, two goals in two games now. Uh, maybe not quite on fire, but at least smouldering. Uh, Portsmouth did a good job of pretending that they were bothered that they lost to Sutton in the Pizza Trophy on Tuesday. Uh, Cowley's compadres had had that thumping win against Sunderland before the break. They and he really needed that, JB, didn't they? Because they hadn't won since August prior to to thrashing Sunderland. Yeah, unbelievably bad run. Um, Seven games without a win. For, For Portsmouth, it's just not good enough. Again, we talk about teams with... Um, pressure teams with expectation and they're right up there in terms of that fan base at, at Fratton Park who, who turn out in their numbers so listen it was a bit of a result that, that came from nowhere um, I know Lee Johnson wasn't happy with the weather conditions um, but listen both teams had to go out and play and, and they, they blew Sunderland away really and you know it's a really good performance uh, you know Danny Cowley spoke about again that press being on the front foot being aggressive getting after teams 
but also they took their chances when they came, which he doesn't feel they had done previously. You know, John Marquis getting a couple of goals was really important. He's a player who does a lot of selfless work for the team. I played with him um, and he worked so, so hard, probably to the detriment of himself when it comes to finishing. Um, so it's really good to see him on the score sheet. A bit of a blow would be Ronan Curtis being suspended. You know, he's been one of their, their top players, certainly this year. Again, a player in, in good form recently. So he'll need replacing. Um, so I think... They're going to need to use that. Yes, you know, you talk about the, um, the, the defeat in midweek. A lot of changes. Nobody really stood out and, and gave themselves a real shot from what Danny Cowley said of, of getting in the team. Um, so, listen, I think they need an away win. Haven't won since the opening day of the season. And I think they really need to kick on. They've got a real tough, tough run of games coming up. So I think, again, for, for Danny Cowley, he's not out of the woods yet in terms of that pressure that he was feeling prior to Sunderland. And, you know, they need to try and get some results to, to keep going. I think this is a real tough one. I really fancy Rotherham, I've got to be honest. Um, and again, they've got some hard games to, games to come, Portsmouth. Yeah, it'll be the first time that the teams have met in Yorkshire since 2018 when former Pompey Loney Joe Mattock got the only goal of the game to win it for the Millers in stoppage time. Uh, two teams far further down the table than they would like meet at Sinsel Bank, where Lincoln City welcome Charlton Athletic. The Imps start the weekend in 17th, whilst Charlton occupy the final relegation place. Big this, I think, Joby, for Lincoln in particular. Only home league win this season came way back in August, but three of their next four are at Sinsel Bank. They get just under 9,000 per game. So this looks like a good opportunity to, to kind of kickstart a run of, of home form and Get them back to where they were last year. You know, it's always going to be difficult with them with all those departures that they had over the summer, but they're miles down on where they thought they'd be. I think they are, but reading and actually speaking to people around the football club, I think there is an understanding of, of why they are where they are. Yes, they, of course, want to be where they have been and, and pushing up and, and getting in those uh, playoff places, but you have to talk about players leaving you have to talk about injuries that they've suffered you know to real key players very very rare that Michael Appleton's been able to get what I think he would consider his first 11 out there this season and you know it has been a hindrance and I have to look at it from the managerial point of view you know in terms of having that time where it's very difficult sometimes when you don't have that that first 11 or the bulk of that first 11 to pick consistently I think when you look at some of the other teams that are up there they've been able to play you know the bulk of that starting team you know week in week out and, and get that rhythm I just don't think Lincoln have been able to do that Liam Brickup coming off in the last game obviously hopeful that he'll be back for this game but that pretty much sums it up you know just injuries to key players and just not having a lot of consistency um, you know Anthony Scully's been really really heavily depended on for goals and assists this season I think there's a, a lot of talk about Lewis Fiorini and, and maybe getting him a little bit more central rather than playing that wide where you can create that those opportunities. So I certainly feel they will improve as the season goes and I think they will get better once they get some of those injuries back and start getting a bit used to what we'd expect to see from Lincoln. But again, I, I think it's going to be a completely different season for them and they need to get back winning, particularly as you say at home, you know, sooner rather than later. Yeah, and speaking of injuries there, on loan West Brom keeper Josh Griffiths picked up one on England under 21 duty, which might mean 18-year-old Sam Long making his league debut in this game. Uh, Charlton Clarkie, that win at Fleetwood before the break may well have kept Nigel Adkins in a job. I uh, wonder if it's maybe a reverse Lincoln situation here. That they prefer to be playing away from home at the moment where there's a bit less pressure on them. Yeah, because, yeah I think Nigel Adkins would because he's been getting <laughs> hammered, I think, by the fans. They, they, they're not. They're not fans at the moment of of what he's producing, what his team are delivering. So, so yeah, they needed that win against Fleetwood, and they probably need to to back it up over the next few weeks with with some more three point hauls. So yeah, pressure pressures on Charlton, no doubt about it. It's been desperately disappointing. They haven't beaten anyone above twentieth yet. <laughs> you look at the league table; the only teams they've beaten are, are below twentieth. So. That's that's a concern, and and it's been a bit of a mess. They've not really, considering the talent that they've got. Cause they've got really good players all over the pitch. They haven't really controlled games. They haven't consistently created chances, um, and they certainly haven't been keeping many clean sheets. So, 
yeah, lots to work on for, for Nigel Atkins with Johnny Jackson there. And yeah, they've got the players to get it right. They just, you know, need to find the best 11, I guess. Um, who that is, I'm not quite sure at the moment. And Personally, I'd always have Jaden Stockley in there because, you know, he's a good target and, and yeah, I think he's a decent finisher. Jonathan Lecco, I think, should be should be sort of nailed on every week. He's in great form at the moment. But it's almost as if they've got, you know, too many options there. Players get a couple of games, then they're taken out. And then it's, it's been difficult for any of them, really, to build up a head of steam or, or build up form. And and that maybe has been part of the part of the problem this season. It's only going to be the second time Charlton have visited Sinsel Bank for a league game since the 1960s. Uh, right, Adrian, you're the troublemaker of this pod, according to Abby, uh, which means that you're turning our double into a treble with Paddy Power. You've picked a League One selection for us. What have you got? Yeah, I have. Yeah, okie dokie. Yeah. Rotherham against Portsmouth, we talked about it already. I think it's going to be low scoring. I really do. I think that, um, yeah, Rotherham games tend to be, the majority of them are under 2.5 goals. Portsmouth, not so much lately, but I think there will be a real focus from their end on on trying to negate Rotherham in this game. So, yeah, I, th- I see this being a nil-nil, one nil either way, certainly not a goal fest. So under 2.5 goals for Rotherham versus Portsmouth, please, Abby. Adrian's not expecting shed loads of goals in this game, Abby. Is he <laughs> right to think that? Uh, I had a shed delivered listener uh, in the midst of this <laughs> podcast. Uh, work out when that was if you want to. Um <laughs> It is 8-11 to 11 for under 2.5 goals. Rotherham are the favourites in this one, 4-5. to five, Portsmouth, 3-1. to one. And that treble is coming in at around 4-1, to one, which is a nice number. We might win. We might win. But I also still have to make a League 2 selection. So, TBC. Uh, right, thanks, Abby. League 2 next. Only seven points separate the top 12 in League Two. Plenty of eye-catching fixtures this weekend. We're going to focus in on a couple of them, starting at Brisbane Road. Lake Norium welcoming Walsall to East London. The O's sitting pretty in the playoff places. The Saddlers down in 19th, albeit buoyed by their win against Salford last weekend. Uh, Orient Joby, just the two league losses all season, but also no wins in three. Is your, is your glass half full or half empty? Oh, definitely half full. Again, I think yes, yeah, very important to... To keep a perspective and an and all-round um, sort of view on things. And I certainly feel you would have taken the position that Orient are in at the moment. Yes, again, a, a few disappointing results of late. I think the Mansfield game, you know, the last home game certainly uh, felt that they did enough to win um, without really getting that goal that they probably deserve. Port Vale, real late, late. Uh, defeat there having gone into the lead in the 86th minute themselves I know Kenny Jackett wasn't happy with the defending that, that led to those the equaliser and then and then the goal and then I think Barrow again another real long away trip um, which is never ideal in difficult conditions again was fairly happy with with the point there so I think again overall with the squad that they've got I think the biggest issue would be the size of the squad it was very much a, a rebuilding job for everybody at the football club and they really emphasise going out and getting those starters, the, the main men as it were, and then try to add to it as they go along and, and increase that strength in depth. So I think for, for Orient, they'd be happy overall. You know, I think these two home games coming now, of course, Walsall's one that they'd be looking at to to go and win and get three points and get back on track. And then obviously a big one with Forest Green coming soon. So I think that certainly the... the from Orient's point of view, glass, glass half full, I would say, for the fans there and, and looking forward to probably improving and, and getting better as the season goes. It's still a new squad, new team, still developing. And I certainly feel that, you know, they've got a real good chance this year of, um, you know, at least, at least getting in the playoffs. Particularly if they keep up this brilliant home record defensively, other than the 2-0 defeat by Harrogate. They haven't let a goal in on their own patch in uh, the other four matches. Uh, Walsall-wise, that was a big old three points for them and boss Matt Taylor against Salford. Uh, former Orient striker Connor Wilkinson got the stoppage time winner. He's crediting his hair for the fact that he's got two goals in two games. Uh, what do you make of this, Clark? He said, I know it sounds a bit weird, but I've had this haircut for a couple of weeks now and with two games, two games with it, it's two goals. I've got a bit more length at the back, a bit of a mullet. Is that the key? Getting <laughs> well, the I Ray can, Cyrus I can... going? 
I can never sing the praises of a mullet. It, it's never been a good look, in my opinion. So, so no, he's got to he's got to get rid of it if if he wants to avoid getting a battering from the lads. And I think I'm sure he is. But footballers are so superstitious. Joby will know this. I, I don't know. Well, you'll know Connor as well, won't you, Joe? But like footballers, if something works for them, they won't change it no matter how bad they look, I guess. Well, it's funny, actually, that's coming from him because, again, I work with him um, and he was so particular about his hair. It was unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, he's getting haircuts. I'm not even exaggerating. I'm saying... When I say at least weekly, I think there was occasions where it was actually more than once a week and he'd come in and he used to get absolutely battered. He just literally, there was no like fade or blend. It was just like skin and then hair on the top. So I need to have a look at this one. I haven't seen Connor's hairstyle, but if that's what's getting him goals, then fair play to him. And he must have been in a bad way because again, for someone who he really cares about his barnet uh, to go over mullet, <laughs> it's, uh, certainly made me chuckle, yeah. Work for Chris Waddle to an extent, I suppose. Um, speaking of in a bad way, Adrian, Walsall have won one of their last 16 away league games. It, it, am I being cruel to say it's all about avoiding the drop for them this season? I don't see them as relegation contenders, actually. No, I think they'll be all right. But that is a really bad record. You can't you can't deny it. Um, I just, I kind of get the feeling that, that Matt Taylor is getting there. You know, he's new to the game, isn't he? And in terms of the management game and... Yeah, I, th- I think I've seen a bit of an upturn. Obviously, they beat Salford. They had 16 shots to, to Salford's seven against a good team. That's 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 promising. Look at the game at Exeter, which was a surprise draw, really, to all. 13 shots to nine. They, they, they sort of won that game on the shot count at Exeter. So they're playing with a bit more bravery, a bit more positivity. Um, and yeah, I think they'll, they'll cont- try to continue that against Leighton Orient, who are obviously going to be the favourites. But yeah, they've got some got some lively forwards, Walsall. Then I think they can pick up some some wins along the way. There is a stat I do have that, that might frighten Walsall fans, and that is <clears throat> that Orient have scored eight set-piece goals this season, that's the most, and Walsall have conceded seven, which is the most. So at all costs, kick it out for a throw-in. And don't make a foul. That would be uh, my advice to the Walsall players in this game because, uh, yeah, the, the recent history suggests that Orion are going to score from a dead ball in this game. Yeah, I just wanted to pick up on a point. League two, sort of generalisation really, but just how tight and exciting it is this year. When you look at the table, you've got Swindon in third on 19 points. There's 10 teams that are separated by three points. It's incredible. There's only one point for the next two teams down. So, you know, again, a league that I was part of for the last couple of years, fantastic place to be. It's so hard to call, not just who's going to be in that top promotion spots, but the playoffs and um, yeah, just a great league. And so far been a, a real good start to the season. So definitely one to keep an eye on. And it goes to show if you can get yourself on a little run, no matter where you are in the table, you can really shoot up quickly because it's, you know, it's that time. Sure is. Right. According to a 2017 article I found online whilst doing my research for the pod, the Italian artist Marco Mazzoni is one of the most prominent pencil drawing artists in the world. Uh, Marco likes drawing, and so do Exeter City, who host Newport on Saturday. As seven of the Grecians' 11 league games this term have ended all square. Uh, despite that, JB, they're only a point outside the playoffs. Imagine where they'd be if they turned just a couple of those Ds into Ws. Oh, incredible, really, to have drawn that amount of games. It's probably the most frustrating thing. Um, listen, they've, they've only lost one, which is brilliant. Again, from a, a management point of view, hard to beat is, is very important. But I know Matt Taylor's been really disappointed with just the goals they've been conceding of late, some some poor defending, which you know we've already touched on how important that can be. I think with what they've got in attacking areas, Matt Jay, Nombe, Giovanni Brown have been really, really good in those forward areas and, and getting the goals that they're going to need. It's just making sure that you know, they just stop conceding cheap goals because they've shown consistency. You know They have and there's no reason why, if they can't turn those draws into wins, that they shouldn't be a real credible threat you know, to those automatic places. And again, we have to give him credit because he has had to sort of work with, you know, losing captain Jake Taylor, um, you know, Ryan Bowman leaving as well. So they are big, 
boots to fill and, and not just on the pitch, but within that dressing room. And it's not always easy to, to replace those guys. So, you know, a big shout to, to everybody there. And I think once they just refine things slightly and, and get on top of those defensive issues, I can really see them, you know, putting a winning run together and, and really making a, a good shout for those automatic places this season. Yeah, Matt Taylor's definitely had enough of those draws. He said after the Desmond at Stevenage, I'd rather we got beat at the end. I know that sounds a crazy thing to say because we need to win games of football. Seven draws is too many. You can afford three or four, but not seven. Uh, better news for Exeter this week, though. They pocketed another 75 grand after Ollie Watkins came off the bench late for England against Hungary on Tuesday. Uh, this all a result of the sale of Watkins from Exeter to Brentford. So far, they've claimed £412,500 of a potential 750 grand in add-ons for the deal. So well done them. Uh, Newport-wise, Clarkie, without a permanent gaffer at the time of recording after the departure of Mike Flynn, uh, Wayne Hatswell expected to be in temporary charge again it's a sad divorce this isn't it because Mike Flynn and Newport will will always be synonymous with with one another and and it was never going to last forever but it's a shame that it ended slightly acrimoniously I think yeah it's a bit flat isn't it yeah I'm sure he'll be back but yeah I think he'd like all managers he'd, he'd devoted his life to to sort of the club and to to making them the best that they could be and I think that heartbreaking loss at Wembley might have just took the wind out of his sails. It was it was quite a cruel way to to miss out, and it wasn't the first time that they've missed out. So yeah, it's one of those. I think he just came back, and maybe his mind mindset wasn't the same, and and he was just maybe there's a little bit of anger and bitterness in there, and and, and fell it, out with the players as well, didn't he? Over yeah. the the COVID outbreak, which exactly. which exactly kind of spelt that things weren't going. Brilliant. Yeah, and yeah, I think he just became a frustrated man, and look, it can happen to the best of us, can't it? So, but look, Wayne, what Wayne Hatswell's doing? Okay, Scunthorpe at home is a great first game because they're they're just shocking, but but two clean sheets. So he drew with Bradford, didn't he? Um, and and they were the better team by all accounts against Bradford. So like, what he's done with those two games, Wayne Hatswell, is buy the club a bit of time just to do their due diligence, decide what they want to do which direction they want to take moving forward. So, yeah, I, I expect them to go with a young guy who's got, you know, a clear, you know, maybe a, a modern philosophy because that was the, the direction they're taking. And, um, yeah, it's just, just selecting the right the right person for the job. Their, their team is good. Their team is top half standard for sure. Um, but it's a season of sort of trauma behind the scenes at Newport. A young guy with a modern philosophy. I'm scrolling down the odds here. 25 to 1. Jay McEnough. Newport Gaffer. Do you fancy it? I, I, I thought the only thing that was missing for, a bit, for me to be assuring was a bit of grey hair. Young Gaffer. Modern <laughs> philosophy, grey hair. Um, uh, at the moment, no, not at the moment. You're not, not sending it off. Not sending it you, you, No, no. I'm still happy enough with Clarkey. When I get enough of him, then. Uh, <laughs> Well, you, it just makes a change that you got me and not Sam today, I guess. You just go. Yeah, true. I'm getting a little bit of separation anxiety. I haven't actually done a bit with Sam for on the pods. I mean, for a little while. So. <laughs> right. <laughs> Important caveat. Um, right. We need to make our treble into an accumulator. Abby, you get the last pick. Comes from League Two. It can't be Joby getting the Newport job. What is it? I am tempted um, by a Newport score. I'm tempted by the extra Newport draw. That's 11 to 5. But I am going to go for a team that actually lost last week, but they're playing Scunthorpe this week. And it is uh, Forest Green. Um, so I'm just going to play it, play it safe. They're 4 to 9 to beat Scunthorpe uh, away from home. And that means that our ACA is a strong 6.84 to 1, which I think is probably the lowest we've had this whole season. So maybe, maybe please <laughs> maybe time? probably not uh, you can find out these odds and more at paddypower.com or the Paddy Power app prices are accurate at the time of recording it's over 18s only T's and C's apply and when the fun stops stop alright that's just about it for today before we go though what with Leon Britton having taken up arguably the cushiest of roles available in football just now as a player mentor I want to know what else would be a lovely old job to have in football, it might be the person who fills Neil Warnock's bum bag with selfies, the the bloke who writes the tactics on the board for Chris Hutton and only ever has to do it once. Uh, Clarky, what have you come up with? <laughs> 
Yeah, not any of those. I've got one for being part of the football environment and one outside. Do you know what? I've always found, I've always liked when I'm inside stadiums or at training grounds, I've always felt a little bit jealous of the groundsman. I think it's a nice job. Just, just going up and down, putting the earphones in, listen to the Totally Show, the Totally Football League Show, all of the Totally Shows <laughs> and some music. But look, stick the headphones in, up and down, just the smell of freshly cut grass. It's just a joy, isn't it? Um, so I'd always fancied that. But in a football environment, no brainer for me. I don't know enough about it, unfortunately, to do this job. But being a goalie coach, because you get to smash shots at keepers all day, every day. And there's nothing better than that. Um, when I was at Arsenal, when Bob Wilson, because he was the coach, goalie coach, when he called over, when I got the shout to go, come on, Clarky, come on, you work with the goalies for half an hour. It was the best half hour of the week because you just got to leather balls at keepers, sometimes aiming at cones so that they don't deflect past them. Yeah, best job ever. Groundsman's pretty close. I remember the Forest Groundsman once got poached by Real Madrid. I mean, how's your luck? That's a pretty good move. Um, Joby, I also had down the, the club official who writes any footballers' tweets because you just have a couple of drafts, don't you? Great performance from the lads. Result didn't go the way we wanted today. <laughs> Fans were classes always. Bang a couple of emojis on it. Away you go. Uh, can you offer any improvement on that? <laughs> uh, I'm actually, I'm going to go to some American sports. I'm going to create a new role for certainly, well, I don't know if it is a new role, actually. There might be some players that have done this in the past, but I'm going for the hype man from basketball where it's just, you know, I've been in football a long time, you know, a lot of pressure if you're playing, coaching, managing. I just want a job where I could just enjoy being around the squad, the match day. So although I'm part of the squad, maybe as a player, I think I could do it at this age. I've got to be honest, Matt. 39, I'm never really going to play anymore. But just be around it. I'll come with the towels. I'll come with the, you know, if we need a big, big performance, bit of motivation for the lads. But I wouldn't ever get near getting back on a pitch. And I think I could enjoy that role. Just get the boys going. Um, Is maybe that a thing, Joby? In American in, football? In basketball. Oh, basketball, sorry. Yeah. yeah, you never see them. They come running on with the towels. And like, you know, if LeBron scores a shot, they're like on the court with them. Like, come on, like... But they never, ever play. They're, they're basically the rubbish players. But Love that's it. kind of their job. So, yeah, I'd go for the, the hype man. I'd bring it into football, you know, get lads a little, you know, part-time deal. And then you can still be around it where you can enjoy the day-to-day without actually the seriousness of actually having to do anything. So that would be mine. Yeah, like that. I would bloody love to see a hype man working with John Yems Crawley or Neil Warnock's <laughs> Middlesbrough. I think that would be absolutely magnificent. Um, we're not going to top that, so we'll have to end the show there. Back on Monday, Sam, Adrian and I will be joined by Robin Cowan. Uh, Robin, if you're listening, can you let Abby know if you can make it or not, please? Admin on the pod. That's what it's come to. Many thanks to Joby, to Adrian, to Abby and to you, listener, for your company today. We'll speak to you again on Monday. Bye for now. You've been listening to the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Listen ad-free on the Athletic app and keep up to date with everything Totally by heading to at the Totally Show on Twitter and on Insta. Find out the latest subscription offers by going to theathletic.com forward slash league show. The Totally Football League Show is an Athletic Media Company production. The Athletic. <laughs>